Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18. To those of you who were here 32 weeks ago, <laughs> I preached this uh, same scripture. So I looked on the uh, um, internet for our Winber First Assembly of God, and I, I knew that I had used this text, but I wasn't quite sure when I had spoken on it before, so I found it, and it was 32 weeks ago. So it's different than the 32 weeks ago, because I listened to that sermon and said, wow, that's pretty good. I didn't, I'm not using the same, same uh, approach as I did then. So the title of our ser- sermon today, or the message today, is Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Lord, Teach Us to Pray. And those 30-some weeks ago, we had a series of uh, five or six sermons on prayer, and you would think, well, you ought to have it down by now. I have, it's one of these things that you, you, you always are asking or searching, what would God want us to speak on? What would you have for me to have today and present? And so I came up with the idea that, you know, came to me the idea of prayer and a number of things came along to put that in place. I thought, but God, I've, I've already spoken on this not too long ago, but since it was 32 weeks ago, it's old stuff. <laughs> You're supposed to smile. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18. And when you come before God, don't turn that into a theatrical production either. All these people make a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you, can manage, as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense his grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you are dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. Our Father in heaven, reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. In prayer, there is a connection between what God does and what you do. You can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. If you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go into training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you are doing. He'll reward you well. So when we think of prayer, we think of our, I think of ourselves as pupils, that we are students, and of course, students need teachers. Well, we as a student, God is the teacher, God and you know, the Holy Spirit with us is the teacher, 
and the Word of God, the Scripture, is the instructions. So we are using our relationship with God, we're using the Scripture, and we're and allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts, and so that we will be able to pray. Now, I'm, I imagine every one of us have prayed, right? Has everyone, is anyone here never prayed? Well, okay, thank you. How would you define, then, what prayer is? If you look at your life and you look at your prayers, what would it be defined? How could you define it? What would you write down on a piece of paper and say, this is prayer? You know, I'm not asking you to say it out loud, but in your own mind, what would it be? To define prayer, what would you call it or say it? Um, in some instances, it's, we could call it simply just talking with God. But, so how then do we talk with God? How then do you approach God who knows everything? How then do you approach God who is all-powerful, everywhere present, who knows the thoughts and the intentions of your heart? How are you going to be able to pray about something in which he knows you so intimately, he knows whether you're trying to con him or trying to get what you want, trying to feed your appetites, or how do we pray? How do you talk with God? Well, I, I likened it sometimes, you know, I, I think back to um, anybody of older individuals remember John John, who was President Kennedy's little boy, and how that he would um, walk into the White House and into the, the Oval Office. And he's about, I don't know, three or four years old at the time. And I always remember this picture of him walking into the Oval Office. And here's this little boy walking into the Oval Office of the President of the United States, and, like, he belonged there. And for us, it's that same concept. We belong there. We belong in a conversation with God. So there are many things that come into our life and try to challenge us that we're not good enough or um, that God's not listening to us or that our prayers are never going to get answered, never, never get out above the roof, God doesn't hear me. If we belong there and we belong with our Father in that place of communion with Him, why would we feel that we don't belong? Why would we feel inadequate? Why would we feel that what we have to say is not important? You see, that becomes the villain of our lives and the one who would try and rob us of our position, and our position is one of being in the presence of God and talking to him about what's going on in our life. Because we belong there. There are principles. There are outlines. And these things are important, as we will go through kind of the outline as in the Lord's Prayer. These things are important, but all of them must be integrated into who we are. All of them must be integrated into who you are as a person. You don't have to be like the pastor or like somebody on TV or like something you read in a book in order to offer the correct prayer. Our prayers are our conversations with God about our life. The good, the bad, the ugly. The best, the worst. It's our conversation with God. So let's look at uh, verse 5 and, and this uh, section here in Matthew. You must pray your need, pray our worship, our presentations, 
our desires and put them before God. Verse 5. And when you come before God, there is that statement, when you come, there is an understanding that you are going to pray. It is an understanding that, that is presented here in this gospel that we are going to pray. When you come, not if you come, when you come, don't turn it into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think that God sits in a box seat? We've all heard the, don't be like the hypocrites. And a hypocrite is another word for actor. So here we have, in the King James it says, don't be a hypocrite. And what it's saying here in the Message Bible is, don't be an actor. Don't feel like you have to put on a performance. Like, God is sitting up there in a box seat. He has a special seat watching you perform your prayer. Do you ever, you know, like, I've got to do, you know, and, and kind of like, uh, I, think the, the, I think the illustration that is here is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, that they were individuals that were religious leaders in the community, and they would dress in their very expensive robes, and they would go on the street corners, and while they were on the street corners, what would they, they would have these flamboyant prayers and loud prayers to God, yelling out to God so that everybody would see them. And what they were doing was performing. They were performing for the people around. They didn't want, they didn't necessarily think that God was going to answer their prayers. They just wanted people to pay attention to them and how holy and righteous they were and how, what kind of clothes they had and how rich they were and things like that. And the, the, the gospel here is telling us, don't think that you have to be a performer on a stage in order to hear God pray or for God to hear your prayers. So don't you think God's, don't think that God sits in a box seat in a theater and you're on stage and God is going to rate your performance. Well, you know, that was a real performance, David. Wow, what a prayer. <laughs> you know? Would you pray again? I just like to hear you say those words. <laughs> no. God isn't doing that. Goes on, verse 6. Here's what I want you to do I want you to find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Find a place where you don't have to play the role of a Christian. You don't have to play the role of someone in need wanting to get the attention of God. Don't go there. Don't find a quiet place where you're not tempted to be afraid of the critics who would scoff at your prayers. And you know, well, listen to them pray. <laughs> you pray? You? I know you. You pray? Don't listen to critics. God knows and sees the secret places of our life and it is here in these secret places, rather than in the secret places trying to do things wrong, in the secret places we want to do things right. And it's there that we pray. Just be there as simply and as honestly as you can, imagine, as you can manage. Be there in this secret place as simply and as honestly I know the old saying, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> why, don't, why don't we do that with our prayers? 
They don't have to be long. They are there in a place and keep it simple and honest. Honest. Say what you're thinking. Say what you're feeling. Discuss the ideas with God. The focus will shift, and this is the key point. The focus will shift from you to God. For it isn't about you, and it isn't about me. It's about God working in us. It isn't about our problems and the difficulties we're facing. It's about the answer that God is going to bring to those problems and to those situations. So as we are in this quiet place with God, we're being simple and honest. It's not, we don't have to make up words to impress him. Simple and honest. And the attention... It goes from me to God. It isn't how big our problem is, it's how big God is, how great God is to work in our lives. So you see, our our prayers then is how much, how great God is in our lives. Begin to sense his grace, not our merit. You know, God, I've been good. (laughs) I've done this, I've done that. Forget that. Be sincere and honest and recognize that it's his grace, his mercy, that, is, that we are there. Verse 7 to 13. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. These are individuals that are full of formulas and programs. They're individuals who, you know, just say the Lord's Prayer five times and you'll get your answer. And, repa- and take this email that you've just received and send it to 20 people, and God will answer your prayer. You will receive $100 in the mail if you do this in the next five minutes. <laughs> if you will say this prayer, you know, I mean, how many have received those emails? If you say this prayer, you've got it. Your answers are in. You know, God is going to do what you want him to. And if you don't send this, God's going to get you. And so what do we do? God's going to get me. What's it say right here? The scripture, even before computers came in and emails and all that stuff were ever used, it's right here. People who are full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. If you just do what I tell you in this little email, you will, get from, you will get what you want from God. And if you don't, he's going to punish you. Show me in the Bible where that's true. And if you will just send it to 100 people, you're bound to get what you want. Prayer ignorant people. <laughs> See, don't fall for that nonsense. I didn't say that, it's in here. It's right here, right? Does it say that up there? Don't fall for that nonsense. Right there. Do you see it? Read it. What's it say? Don't fall for that nonsense. (laughs) Don't be like them. This is your father who you are dealing with. This is your father. This is your father that you're dealing with. And he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply. You see, it's your father you're dealing with. I know you better than you know yourself. I know what you have need of. And and, and the reason that we pray is that if we don't pray, we don't ask God, 
we'll come up with the assumption, I must be pretty good, I did this on my own. I don't need God's advice because I didn't pray about this and I got this coming right in, so it's all about me. It's not about us. The focus changes from us to God, and God is working in our life. And the, con- and the understanding is we must have a right understanding of God, that God is not out to get us. God is out to bring us in. God isn't there to push us out and write down a list of condemnation and guilts and things that you've done wrong. God is there to forgive us and to allow our relationship with him to complete us. We are to be complete in Christ. The Bible says to be made perfect. And the perfect doesn't mean without flaw that when Christ comes into our life, he forgives us and we are complete in him. Complete. Now, with that completeness, we live our life. We bring our needs to God. That he is at work in my life to change me from the inside out. God can give before we ask. God can give more than we ask. He can withhold. He can hold back. Because he knows there is a divine timing. There is a timing in which things take place. And we don't understand the timing. We don't understand why things happen the way they do. But we know that God is with us and he will take us through. Romans 8, 26 and 28. I want to throw this one in here. Meanwhile, the moment we get tired of waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us along. It's very important that we understand this whenever we pray. Don't become tired in waiting. Don't become weary in well-doing. In due season, you reap a harvest if you don't fate. Well, the Message Bible says... The moment we get tired in the waiting, God's Spirit is right alongside helping us. It isn't about how I'm going to make God happy. God is going to work with We're in this together. We are complete in Him. He is there with us. And if we don't know how or what to pray, you go into this place where we are alone with God, and it's like, I don't even know what to say. Things are so bad. Things hurt so bad. Things are so wrong. I don't even know what to say. And here, Paul is saying to the church at Rome, it doesn't matter. God, he does our praying in us and for us. How? Making prayer out of our wordless sighs. We are in this place, this quiet place, and I don't even know what to say. But I'm focused on God. God. Guess what? That was a prayer. God knows what the sigh is about. God knows what the need is. He, our aching groans, those are prayers. He understands us. He knows us far better than we know ourselves. He knows our pregnant condition. (laughs) Ladies, (laughs) have a number of those. (laughs) God knows your pregnant condition. <laughs> the worries that go along with a giving birth, uh, he knows it. And he keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail of our lives of love for God is worked into something good. 
God is at work, working all things together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose, King James. But in, in this one is saying is we can be sure that every detail in our lives in our love for God is being worked out. So here we are in our quiet place with our prayers that we can't even formulate in our thoughts, just that it's so out of sorts, and in our groanings, they are prayers, and in those groanings, we know that God is working out every detail. Our Father in heaven. <laughs> you know, Jesus says, brings that out as our Father. He doesn't say my Father. He says our Father. <laughs> and in heaven, remember we just sang this, the song, Wonders Beyond Our Galaxy, Lord of Heaven and Earth. Lord of Heaven, you know, I'm not going to sing it for you, that's why I'm not on the worship team. <laughs> Lord of Heaven and Earth. Our, our prayers rise above the cares and needs of this life. Our Father who art in heaven. See, our needs in our life, we, we can become so focused on our temporal things and the things around us, we lose focus. And our prayers are towards God, who, and, and he, where's he at? He's in heaven, but where's he also at? He's in our hearts. He's in heaven. It's a perfect place. It's a holy place. It's a place where God's will has no objection. He sees us and knows our voice. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That the, the name of God is reverence on our lips. You know, in the, in the Jewish custom, it is, in, in the Jewish religion, it is forbidden to even name the name of God. It's forbidden to say his name because sin, you're too sinful to even say it his holy name. In our lives, we are praying and, we, and, and his name is reverenced in our lives to the point that when someone would use his name in vain, it would hurt us because we, that, that, that's holy and sacred. Reveal who you are. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Reveal who you are. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your will be done in earth. Your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. I am in this place. I am in this quiet place. God, let your will be done in me. Reveal who you are through your word. Prayer is personal. It is the formula of our heart to say what we are thinking and feeling. Set the world right. Thy will be done. God, do your thing in me. Do your will in me. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Let nothing stand in your way. It's a personal prayer. Lord, let your will be done in earth, in me, as it is in heaven. In heaven, there are no objections to your will. There are no, there's nothing that can stop your will from being done. God, let that attitude be in me. Let nothing in me stop your will from being accomplished. Keep us alive with three square meals. Give us this day our daily bread. Every day, Lord, God, provide for my daily needs. 
So here I am in my prayer closet, my secret place, whether it's out in the woods, whether it's in the, in the car, whether it's sitting on a chair in the living room. It's my place of prayer to God. And in this place, my daily provisions, God, I am confident, I am praying, you will take care of them. Forgive us. <laughs> Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is not an option. We must stay in an attitude of forgiveness because whenever we don't forgive, those things create blockages in our relationships with God and it closes doors to our future because we won't go certain places because we don't like certain people and we haven't forgiven certain individuals so therefore we will not deal with those situations that perhaps through that door is where we need to go. So forgive. Forgive and let it go. Forgive and let it go. Forgive us our debts as we forgive. Did you notice that what we, what we read in the um, verse 15, 14? In prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. It's directly connected to this. That there is a connection between what you do and what God does. So keep us forgiving. And I go on giving, forgiving myself and forgiving others. Keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. Lead us not into temptation. That God doesn't tempt us. We are tempted by our own lusts. We are tempted by our own desires. God, don't let me be led away by my selfish desires. See, in this prayer place, I'm not putting on a, I'm not putting on a performance. I'm being myself. And in this place of being myself, I'm allowing God to work in me. And so keep me safe from my own temptations, my own weaknesses. Don't allow me to be tempted. You're in charge, for thine is the kingdom. It's your kingdom in me and in the, in the heaven. You see, it's your kingdom, Lord, in my life and in the world around us. You can do anything you want. Thine is a kingdom, and thine is the power. All power is given in Jesus' name. He spoke the world into existence. He can do anything he wants. You can do anything you want. God, work in me. You're ablaze in beauty, the glory. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah goes into the presence of God and falls at God's feet with the great beauty of God and the holiness of God. And the, king, and the message says, yes, 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 forever and ever. There's no end to your reign. There's no end to what you can accomplish. So here I am in this place of prayer, and in prayer there is a connection between what God does and what you do. So there is a direct connection between my prayers and what God wants to do in my life. Because the focus turns from me to God, and God is at work bringing about his kingdom in my life. You can get, you can't get forgiveness from God, for instance, without also forgiving others. Because forgiveness is such a major part of our life, we have to let go of our sins, and we have to let go of people who have sinned against us, who have hurt us. If you refuse to do, you, if you refuse to do your part, you cut yourself off from God's part. I cut myself off 
from what God wants to do in my life because I refuse to follow through with what God has started in me. When you practice some appetite-denying disciplines to better consecrate on God, this is like people who would fast and pray or say, you know, people who would pray for hours or whatever and dedicate themselves to reading the scripture or whatever, and they would do these things. So some appetite-denying discipline, don't make a production out of it. If you're going to take time to pray and you're going to dedicate your life to prayer and, you know, don't be like the Pharisees standing on the, on the street corners and don't be like the other people who might turn you into a small-time celebrity. Wow, they must be really praying. Look at them. If you go into training inwardly where you're going to dedicate yourself to prayer, act normally outwardly. Don't put on a show goes back to, don't be a production manager. Shampoo and comb your hair. You know, I had to come out all disheveled. What's wrong with you? I've been praying. Oh, I've been praying. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Shampoo your hair. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. God doesn't want you out there getting attention and saying, look how, because the attention comes to us. And what's supposed to happen in the place of prayer? (laughs) What's supposed to happen in the place of prayer? We draw attention to God, not us. So when we pray, it's not about us. It's about God. He won't overlook what you're doing. God won't overlook your prayers. He won't overlook your needs. He will reward you. Be faithful in your place of prayer. Be faithful in your time of prayer. Be faithful to your place of prayer. And so praying then is we have this place, a quiet place, a secret place, where we recognize that God is our Father. God is the one who watches over us and keeps us. God is the one who keeps us day by day and takes our needs. Father, thank you. Thank you that you have heard our prayers. You know our needs better than we know ourselves. And God, you draw attention to yourself through by your spirit. And Lord, we focus on you. Ask for your will to be done in us as it is in heaven. God, work, do a work in us. Open our hearts. As we open our hearts, Lord, change us from the inside out. These needs that we have, you are much greater than any one of them. God, bless and move and work in us to accomplish your purpose. We pray in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.